As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. You provided me with four customer service. You have to just accept it because it might be the only service provider in the area. So you have to be extremely careful and not to rub anybody the wrong way. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today, Aurelian Bonin. How you doing, Aurelian? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And it's my pleasure. A little bit more about Aurelian. He's the founder of The Mindful Investor. Seven years of real estate experience, got a portfolio that consists of 60 units in Canada from single family to an eightplex, and he's got an 11 pad mobile home park in Arizona based in Ontario. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. So I'm originally from France and came to Northern America, to Canada, to be precise. In 2007, I used to be a teacher in France worked for a not-for-profit in Canada when I came. And this not-for-profit, the money for the operation came from real estate. The founder was a real estate mogul, developed malls in Northern America. And that was a source of inspiration for me. I really admired what he did and how he grew his portfolio with malls all across the country and how he was able to create a foundation and give back to the community through different projects, one dedicated to a Second World War and the memoirs of Holocaust survivors. And they were constantly making donations to different charities or scientific research. So that was very inspiring. And in 2013, I decided that I would try to walk in his steps. His name is David Azrieli. And I went to the library, got myself educated, bought some books about real estate investing and learn the basics. So you want to invest, whether it's job growth, uh, communication in terms of uh, access, like a highway or whatever, so mm-hmm. that people can get around. And I started looking around for opportunities and I started very small with a fourplex and walked my way up slowly but surely. And along the way, I got interested in mobile home parks a few years back. Same thing, same modus operandi educated myself and then started to look in the U.S. and actually in Canada as well and purchased a park with a partner in Arizona. Well, you make it sound so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? Funny you would say that because being trained as a teacher, I like to make things seem accessible (laughs) and easy. So that's part of my training, I guess. Mission accomplished. Yeah, thank you. Some deals were more challenging than others. I had to deal with some tenants. I do a lot of the property management myself, and I would inherit some difficult tenants sometimes. But thankfully, the location I invested in was rather pro-landlords, which made my life easy. The interactions were not that great, but at least I could evict the tenants quite fast, actually in 16 days, and then screen my own tenants and bring my own tenants in. And in the process, I was able to reposition the asset by rehabbing the units and increasing the rent. Well, there's a lot we can talk about. I'm curious first to hear about the 11 pad mobile home park in Arizona. Where in Arizona is it? It's in Tucson. What can you tell us about that deal? When I was looking to invest in a mobile home park, I started looking at uh, people specializing in smaller parks because that was what my budget allowed me for. And I discovered a realtor that was his specialty and he was specializing in Tucson. I did some due diligence. I liked that my county had a million inhabitants. The economy was quite diversified. 
And then I told him, listen, I'm looking for a park. This is my budget. Can you find something? And he made it happen. He was able to find me a seller carry at 80% loan to value, which is quite rare. Got the deal under contract and the deal came with a property manager. So that made things easy for rent collection and to deal with the tenants. I pay her $50 a month to receive all the phone calls. So I don't have to do it myself. We've been slowly increasing the rents. We have one of our tenants now is a, is a section eight. So the money comes directly into our account every month. Mm-hmm. It's been fairly simple. Wow. I wouldn't think a 11 pad mobile home park would be simple. You have a good manager who you pay mm-hmm. $50 a month. Just to take the phone calls and then she just gets take the phone 5% calls. Uh, Sorry, 5% of, of what? The rent. Okay. Have you visited that property? Absolutely. I try to go to visit every year for at least a week. What do you do when you're there? try to talk to all the tenants, spend a lot of time with the property manager because she's my boots on the ground. So it's important I nurture this relationship. I call her every month. We have a check-in every month. And also when there are emergencies, we have phone conversations. And when I'm there, I spend a lot of time with the property manager. She's key. And it's important to nurture this relationship. And I also see this realtor that I mentioned earlier. So we spend mm-hmm. some time with him. We walk a few properties. I've been quiet so far. I haven't pursued any other deal, but I keep my eyes open for potential other opportunities. When you have those monthly calls with the property manager, can you tell us how those calls go and what you ask? So I make sure to talk about herself and how she's doing and her family because rapports are key in our industry. And then we go through what's going on in the park. If we have somebody moving out, how are we going to proceed about the repairs, what needs to get done? And we try to budget And then we discuss maintenance mainly and talk about her and her family. Okay. What's been a maintenance challenge? We brought an RV to the park to increase the cash flow. And I know that we got a tenant and I let my property manager do the screening of the tenants. And I think we could have done a better job on that one because the person was really difficult to deal with, always contacting her for hours of the day. And they ended up leaving without giving us any notice recently. So we have this RV site for rent now. And that's an example of challenge when we don't do enough a good job of screening tenants. Do you say uh, 11 unit mobile home park or 11 unit multifamily property better? I have another mobile home park in Canada where it's all tenant owned homes and it's beautiful. It's really hands off. And I've had only one repair to the plumbing system once. So that's very hands-off. So that's the beauty of it. But what I like about multifamily and particularly residential units is that the loan-to-value refinancing. We have something in Canada called CMHC, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, and they're going to insure the mortgage up to 85% loan-to-value. So if you buy a right, you have a good business plan in place and you're able to refinance, you can hit a home run in apartment buildings better than with mobile home parks. When you take a look at your portfolio that you have now, what property, and maybe it's not even in your portfolio now, what property have you lost the most amount of money on? It's not in my portfolio. It was initially when I was quite new to real estate investing, I was looking at buying a house and I lost my deposit on it because I had to walk away, but didn't schedule it properly so that I lost. It was only $500, but I learned my lesson. That's nothing. <laughs> yes. Look on wood. 
Yes, I'll knock on wood for you because I don't want to jinx you. I don't want you to come after me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I was doing great till that interview. And no. <laughs> All right. And then on the flip side, what deal have you made the most money on to date? It was an apartment building. I was able to put off without putting any money down, except for the lawyer's fees. And a few years later, I refinanced and was able to pull out quite a chunk of change. Where is the property at? In Canada. Okay. How much did you buy it for? Oh, these are small numbers. I believe the purchase price was around $213,000. That's not small. $213,000 for what, a duplex? Eight unit. Yeah. That's cheap for an eight unit, right? Yeah, the market is changing now. When was that? What year? 2015. Wow. Okay. So $27,000 a door. And what did you do to negotiate so that you did not have to put money into the deal? Negotiated with the seller. I have a friend that helped me initially be the bank with me. When the bank started saying no, I was able to find a private lender. Mm -hmm. And the private lender helped me. Who was responsible for you not having to put money in the deal? Was it, I guess, the private lender? Yeah. Okay. If you're the private lender, let's pretend you're that person. Why would you allow someone to get into the deal with no money? What would be their answer to that? It's rapport and a good interest rate. Okay. What was the interest rate? 12. 12%. Okay. And I imagine the property was worth a lot more than $218,000. So if they had to take the property back, then they'd come out ahead. Yeah. And I repositioned the property, bringing the rents to current market. How long did it take to then refinance out of that initial loan? Three years. Okay. What did it appraise for or what was the value after the three years? 300,000. 300. Wow. Okay. And then you're able to get some cash out of it. Yeah. Nice work on that. Thank you. What's something that you learned through the repositioning process on that deal? I learned that if you want to buy smart, buy where value can be added. And it's essential to buy deals where you can add value, especially when the rents are low. And that was the main lesson from this deal. When you take a look at your portfolio and the lessons that you've learned, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? One advice that I really like is to listen. Price is one element of the negotiation. And when you have the opportunity to negotiate with the seller and you can understand where they're coming from, what exactly are they looking for? There are other conditions to a deal that can make it attractive for them. They might be interested in having some money on closing, but not all of it. They might be interested in carrying a vendor take back because it helps with capital gains tax to spread them over time. And also because it's a little bit of a payment every month after closing. That said, I'm sure you will admit that you have a competitive advantage because you have a French accent. (laughs) 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 Who can turn down a French accent, right? (laughs) (laughs) So when you have those conversations with sellers, and maybe this isn't an absolutism, but I think that a lot of real estate investors will want to have as little money out of their own pocket to acquire a cash flowing asset as possible. People think differently regarding leverage and how much debt you want to have. But generally, most people want as little out of their pocket to acquire a cash flowing property. 
so that is the goal for a lot of investors, but a lot of investors go the traditional route and just go based off of price. So are there any questions or any type of approach that you take with a potential seller, whether you ask a sequence of questions or whether you just make sure you do X and Y during a conversation, anything like that you can think of? It's quite simple. When you make an offer, you see with what they counter and you try to see, okay, that's their counter and what's behind it? What is moving them? Why are they asking me this? And usually you can tell, do they want a fast sale? Do they want to make sure they sell? There is a lot you can tell from what people are saying. And that's usually how I do it. I let people talk. I'm not afraid of silence. You can tell a lot by what people say. So the way that really works is if you're the one speaking to the seller directly. I could see that breakdown a bit is if you each have agents involved, say it's a residential transaction. So how do you do that when you have agents involved to make sure you're trying to pick up on those nuances? I have to say it's a bit more difficult because it's relayed and you don't have access directly to the seller. Mm -hmm. I like some simple questions like why are they selling and what's important to them? What's their time horizon? Okay. That's helpful just to make sure we're asking those questions to try to extract the motivations, especially even before we make an offer, right? Because once you make an offer, you're kind of putting yourself out there. But if you can know that in advance, Mm -hmm. that'd be helpful. Do you ever do multiple offers for the first offer, like one owner financing, one all cash, one finance? Yes. I like to offer two options. Because basically, psychologically, you're making them say, yes, I'm going to sell to you. I just need to pick between those two options. So I think it's a good way to do it. And then it's a good start for a conversation when you give two options. Obviously, with a higher purchase price, the asking price when there is a take back involved and a lower price when it's all cash. I like bringing options to people because then you get them involved in the choice. It's no longer yes or no to one offer. It's yes. But which one? Which one am I going to choose? If I was to sell, I think I would appreciate uh, something like that. I like when people do that. They've put some effort into their offer. Self-managing your own units. You said some are more challenging than others. You mentioned it's a lot of tenant issues where you inherited tenants. Anything not related to tenants that's been challenging as a self-manager? Part of my properties are in a tertiary market, so sometimes it can be tricky. You can't go after a company and say, you provided me with poor customer service. You have to just accept it because it might be the only service provider in the area. So you have to be extremely careful not to rub anybody the wrong way. So that's one of the challenges I find in a tertiary market when there are not so many service providers, not so much competition. And it's been a learning curve. I've learned a lot about properties and that I owe from doing it myself. I am talking to the contractors. I've developed some sort of expertise thanks to doing that in terms of it takes more now to scare me than initially, obviously. That's because I've acquired knowledge. Knowledge has replaced fear, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co, 
forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. All right. Best ever book you've recently read? The book by Jim Randall called The Confessions of a Real Estate Investor. He's a true entrepreneur and it's filled with ideas and it's a pleasure to read. Will you say the author's name again? Jim Randall. It's an older book. Okay. And your book, Joe, is a reference for syndicating. And it's because I read your book that now I'm on the board of a not-for-profit in my town here. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's the first cause and effect that I've seen from the book. First cause and effect to a nonprofit, I should say, that I've seen from the book. So that's great. I find to honor someone's advice, you just take it and apply it. So I did. Amen. What's been the best ever way you like to give back to the community? Being on that board is very meaningful to me. Some of my tenants I know sometimes, I know one in particular, she has an autistic son and when she's struggling, I've been helping her with COVID and the government programs. I've helped a little bit understanding what was available and I accommodate with the rent when she needs more time. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? The mindfulinvestor.net. Easy enough and that is going to be linked in the show notes thank you so much for being on the show talking about your 11 pad mobile home park how you manage it the questions that you ask the property manager the compensation the property manager receives and your worst deal which is not a bad deal at all clearly with the 500 dollars. and hopefully we'll continue with that and then the best deal was it eight unit Eight, yeah. eight unit. Yeah, the eight unit. The two hundred eighteen thousand to three hundred thousand dollar increase valuation in would you say three years? Yeah. I wasn't taking physical notes during that part of it, but I'm impressed. Sounds like I remembered everything. Okay, great. Yes. Well, enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it.